As one American player leaves England, another is on his way over to England. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. As always with me is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? How's it going, Garrett? It's going well, man. Enjoying my day. Today was the first day in Arizona that the weather was under 100 degrees, so uh, we didn't we didn't fry out here. So I had a very good day today, Ivis. Wow, that's crazy. It's actually uh, it's actually pretty reasonable uh, out here on the East Coast. Uh, it's been in the low 80s, so it's kind of perfect weather. God, dude, that uh, sounds so rain nice. Is, the rain has subsided, and then uh, you know we're taking it easy over here. See, this is the pathetic thing about Arizona, though, and for people who listen to this from Arizona, as soon as it rains, though, Ivis, there's like insane amount of crashes on the highway. Like no one knows how to drive in the rain out here. I believe it. It's I it's pretty bad. The worse you go, the worse the driving is in the country. Yeah, it's pretty bad out in Arizona, and I drive like it's the eighty five hundred, so I could probably admit uh, a little bit of fault of that. <laughs> well, it's funny is people think that. I, I guess it depends where you come from, because to some people, East Coast drivers are, are horrible. But for me, when I think West Coast drivers are pretty bad. See, but like, I don't, are you the same way as me? Like, if I'm driving somewhere, like I'm driving to get there. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not just chilling. Like, I'm driving. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call myself an aggressive driver, but I, I do, uh, I do get from point A to point B pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. You see, in Arizona, too, like, all the roads are completely straight, so you could fall asleep while you sleep out here, too. It's, it's outstanding. Enough that's about, not, and, that's it's, not good. <laughs> yeah, enough about the weather and the roads and all that fun stuff. I guess we have a, uh, a quick show, maybe not as long as our other shows, but, uh, still, nonetheless, we'll get to as much as we can get to. Um, like I said, Big news right now. You broke it on the website. Congratulations. It's the transfer of, or the news that Juan Agadelo could be leaving New England Revolution and heading to Stoke City. There's talk about whether he'll leave a little earlier or wait to the winter. Ivis, can you break down the latest on that front of, of Juan Agadelo going to Stoke America? Uh, well, yeah, I, I reported on Tuesday morning that uh, Juan Agadelo has agreed uh, to a pre-contract with uh, Stoke City and for those of you not uh, not versed on, on the the ways of co- international contracts, basically the the deal is that uh, players once they have just six months left on a contract are allowed to go start negotiating with other teams and uh, and sign a deal that becomes effective once their old deal comes up. Uh, a perfect example of that was David Beckham, who was in the last six months of his deal with Real Madrid when he signed a pre-contract with MLS in the Galaxy, the Los Angeles Galaxy. And now with the Buenagadello, that's what he's done. Uh, you know, it just pretty much puts him at ease and, and locks him up now. He's got a, a long-term contract with uh, Stoke City waiting for him uh, when the winter transfer period opens on January 1st. Uh, of course, Stoke City's trying to get him over earlier. Uh, and from what my sources tell me, they're in negotiations to try to make that happen. Uh, the problem with that, though, is that the New England Revolution uh, only own a small percentage of his transfer rights. Uh, actually, the the team that owns the majority of the tr- of Agudel's transfer rights uh, is the New York Red Bulls. Uh, so, uh, surprisingly enough, for those who who didn't remember or were unaware, when Agudelo was traded by the Red Bulls to Chivas USA, the Red Bulls uh, held on to you know approximately eighty percent of his transfer fee, uh, of transfer value. So if he was were to be sold. Red Bulls would recoup 80% of any fees that are generated. Uh, and then obviously Chivas USA turned around and dealt Agudelo to New England, and now he's with the Revs. And if you're the Revs, you know, if you, if you have aspirations for the playoffs, 
Uh, you want to kind of hold on to him, even though he's been injured, obviously, and he's missed about seven weeks of action with mm-hmm. a with a knee injury. He's supposed to be close to returning, so it's a tough. It's going to be a tough off for the Revs. Do you keep him, or do you try to make some money? You know, however small it may be uh, on the transfer market. So that's going to be something that uh, we're going to have to see worked out now in the next couple of weeks. Well, if 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 Juan Agudelo doesn't leave during the season right here and he waits till the winter his he he can leave as an open free agent so no one makes money so i mean of course mls and new york red bulls and i mean even new england, new england they'll get a small portion i mean of course they're going to want to make money off of this i mean at least something right well the thing is from what i understand and again mls rules tend to change <laughs> and you never know if a rule is still a rule but uh, as far as I am aware, uh, I, I was informed uh, a while back that uh, when a player is in the last year of a deal, um, his own team uh, doesn't have the final say on if whether or not a player is sold. So basically, if MLS decides that you know it's in the best interest of the league to sell Agudelo and, and, and have the league make some money, then he will be sold. But again, it's going to, you know, that's going to be the tough question. It will, it, is it, does Stoke City see the benefit in spending, you know, however much money it'll take to bring him over three or four months early? Or should they just let him sit in MLS and then have him over in January, especially with the knee injury situation? Even though he's close to coming back, uh, that's going to be the question. So that's something that bears watching. Uh, you know, I'm sure Agadell is ready to leave, uh, you know, the playing on that turf. Uh, I don't think anyone's a fan of playing on the turf at Gillette Stadium. So if, I think if he can get over and start making that EPL money, I'm sure he's ready to do it. Uh, but again, New England, I don't think New England is going to be in a hurry to make that deal. And uh, I don't know what Stoke City is going to be willing to offer to get him over early. Stoke just loves signing those American players that are a little banged up, right? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they've got a little collection now. They've got three, and now he will make four. Uh, you obviously have uh, Jeff Cameron, Breck Shea, Marisa Du. And now Agudelo, uh, of those guys, maybe Maurice do I could see making the move. Uh, you know, he still has uh, less than a month now to to maybe make a transfer or make a loan move. Uh, it's tough to say uh, what the plans are for him there with the new manager, obviously Mark Hughes. And that's something that people should also consider is the fact that, you know, Stoke, Stoke City has this reputation of being this real physical, mm-hmm. Route 1 style team that, that's made up of all big guys, and it looks more like a rugby team than a soccer team. But again, they have a new manager. Tony Poulos is out. Mark Hughes is in. You want to see how that changes things and how how the how their style of play is going to well, differ, differentiate. So it'll you, be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the how the Americans uh, deal with that. Well, when you mentioned that, the, well, the now in trouble striker for Stoke. Cameron Jerome, who uh, he's in trouble for something about betting uh, offenses, um, and the FA's looking into all that. But I mean, he even said though. I mean, he I mean, he quote here. I mean, he goes, the manager has different philosophies to the old manager. As a forward, this is going to suit our game more than it would a defender's game. So you know, you have to be happy about that as an American when you look at it, saying, hey, look, if you already have strikers for Stoke saying that the new system's going to benefit them. That makes you really happy that that Juan Agudelo is going over to a system where I think Ivis. Some people are going to be afraid that you know is he too young making the move? Is he just going to sit on the bench? Is he going to play? I mean, not not you know. Look, you can't take much from comments. They're just comments, and, and you got to see him play, and you got to see him in the system to see if he really works. But nonetheless, though, I mean, it's a little more encouraging than maybe the Stoke of 2012 that we saw. Well, I think you know Mark Hughes is been around a while and you know he's coached at a few different places uh, obviously a uh, QPR Fulham Blackburn before that he's he's been at a few different spots and and I think there's 
there's an idea that, you know, he he's probably a little more offensive-minded than Tony Pulis is. But, again, it's still going to come down to can Agudelo break through and get on the field. Uh, you know, they have their share of forwards in the in in the mix there. Obviously, a few good target uh, strikers. You obviously have Peter Crouch, Kenwin Jones, Cameron Jerome, uh, John Walters, who, who obviously was a starter last year. Uh, you can see Agudelo being a good speed option off the bench for them, at least to start. Uh, Michael Owen retiring kind of left that void for them to, to fill, and maybe Agudelo can fill that. You know what? Here's the thing with Agudelo, right? I mean, he he's he's had he's had his streaks, he's had his stretches, his flashes where he has shown quality, but again, consistency has really been an issue with him. His ability, his inability to stay healthy, has really hurt him. Uh, you know, no pun intended there. His, you know, he, he just he gets hurt. Uh, but I mean, he. I think if he stays healthy, he, I think he can make an impact there. I mean, he's he has that combination of strength and speed, uh, and and his his shiftiness and unpredictability with the ball. I mean, he can make things happen. The question is, can he stay healthy? And it's been playing in the in, in the in the physical Premier League. You want you want to see if he can actually deal with the rigors. And he's six one, so clearly he fits into the mold of having Stoke players of at least all being six feet or taller. <laughs> well. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, he doesn't play like a big player. You know, that's the thing. He had the growth spurt. Uh, you know, when he first came into the league, he, he was, you know, I think I feel like since from from when he first came in to now, he's I feel like he's grown a few inches. But he's, he doesn't play like a tall player. He's definitely someone who likes to use his speed. And now that he's added the strength component to his game, he can kind of you know go at you, but also try to muscle you muscle you off of him. So he, I, I just I'm very curious to see how he adapts and. If there is a place for him, or if his, or if it's going to be a, another situation where he's someone who has to go on loan to find some minutes at least early on, which obviously we saw with Maurice do uh, when he first got there. Well, Ivis, as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, my very clever opening. Uh, there's a player leaving England, heading over to MLS. That is Clint Dempsey. Everyone obviously should know who that is. If you're listening to the show and going, "Oh my gosh, what happened?" Then get out of the rock that you're living under. Um, the details have emerged, though, about Clint Dempsey going over to the Seattle Sounders. Um, there was a nice little piece about it on Sports Illustrated. Grant Wall broke it down that talked about there were certain teams that were involved and, and kind of how it all went down with Don Garber being involved. And uh, it, I mean, it was interesting, Ivis, to really get a behind-the-scenes look. And it was fascinating to see how you know the inner workings of, of, of a club to make this type of deal happen. Well, I think the big issue... Uh, that came came out of that story, at least what kind of maybe surprised or shocked some people, is the fact that MLS did in fact pay the transfer fee. Uh, they paid the $9 million transfer fee to bring Dempsey to MLS. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, a lot of fans are really upset about that. They're really up in arms. They're kind of asking the question, like, how can the league, uh, you know, just step in and help one team the way they just did? And, uh, you know, you can understand that, right? You can understand the anger about that, the, the, the feeling that it's it's unfair to the other teams. But what people need to realize is that, I mean, what Dempsey, having Dempsey come to MLS is great for the league as a whole. And, I mean, and, and on so many levels, from a, from a marketing standpoint, uh, helping uh, TV ratings, helping, obviously, the league with their uh, impending TV contract that they're going to be negotiating. Mm-hmm. Having a player like that helps across the board. And, obviously, from team to team, obviously, it doesn't help because not everybody gets to have a Clint Dempsey. But uh, everything that I have heard talking to officials around the league is that if a team is ready to go get a star player, the league will help them get that star player. The question is how many teams have the resources 
and the drive to go make a deal like that happen? And that's the question, right? How many teams are ready to lay out millions and millions and millions of dollars to bring in a star player? And it doesn't have to be an American. It could be we could be talking about international players. We could talk about a Didier Drogba, Frank Lampard, you know, uh, Kaká. I mean, these type of players, you know, MLS has made it clear, you know, they have money. The league as a whole has money. They've got these franchise fees that they're starting to collect. They, they, have, they, they do have the resources to help teams land a big-time player. I know Diego Forlan was rumored in Toronto. And that, didn't, that didn't come off ultimately because Forlan did, decided he didn't want to come. But what needs to be made clear is that it's not a case of, okay, MLS only, only wants to help certain teams. And that's an easy narrative. That's an easy uh, way to look at it. The, say, small, oh, dude, the small market teams are always going to say that, Ivis. Right, right. But, it, but you know what? If your team, like, until this, here, here's my, my example. The day that a team goes after a big time player and can, ha- and can get the resources together to land that player and they need the league's help, if that day comes where that happens and the league says no, then you have a serious issue. Then you can have some serious questions, some serious complaints about the way the league's going about doing things. But at, up to this point, I don't see people lining up uh, to spend $24 million or, or however, you know, however much it was that Seattle ultimately paid for Clint Dempsey. It's not like, it's not like Seattle didn't pay out or shell out some money. They spent a, t- a lot of money to bring in Clint Dempsey. Uh, and I just think that it's a little, I just feel it's a little short-sighted. To, and I understand, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're a fan of the team, you could give a heck, you could give a damn about about what other, about the, the, the overall league, right? Because that, that's not how fans look at it. Fan, generally, fans look at it from their own team's perspective, and, and that's all that matters. But I got to say, having Dempsey in MLS is great for the league. And if people can't see that, then I think you're just maybe being a little too blinded by your own uh, your own allegiances, and that's understandable. Again, you're you're entitled. You're entitled. If you're a Portland Timbers fan and you hate the idea that Seattle has Clint Dempsey and that MLS helped make it happen. I, I, there's none. I can totally. Yeah, you get. have to, but you have to realize as a fan, from like you said, from a marketing standpoint, the amount of money that MLS can make from now marketing Dempsey, having a marquee player like Dempsey, who is very good on the international stage, and has proved it. I mean, look, you already take it. Look, look at Seattle. The game against Portland on August 25th, Ivis, 66,000 tickets are sold. It's going to be a sellout. I mean, you right. think about what the draw Dempsey's going to bring to opposing stadiums, too. You're going to have people that are going to come out to watch Clem Dempsey. That league is going to make a ton of money off of this. Well, that's the thing. That's where it's a little, you know, from the overall cost standpoint, I mean, we're talking what $33, million dollars total spent between the transfer and the salary. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be necessarily a, 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 a cakewalk that they're going to recoup that money. But from the, the league standpoint, I, like I, I just don't see like anyone looking at it objectively. I don't know how you could honestly look at this deal and say it wasn't worth it for MLS to do it. They had to do it. They absolutely had to do it because having a player like that come back at this point, player who's still in his prime, is unbelievable. It's an unbelievable coup for the league. It's a big step. And of course, you know what? It's it's tough when it go, you know you talk about a team like Seattle 
who already is a talented team and already has, you know, Eddie Johnson, Obafemi Martins, Moro Rosales. They're already a stacked team. And now you've given them arguably the best player in the league or one of the top two or three uh, just right onto the team. That like I totally yeah, but, get but, why but, people would be upset about that. But, but, but you is- know what? Listen, listen, listen. People just take a step back. I know you're angry, especially some you know, our, our readers from Portland. I know you're furious, but I mean, try to look at it a little objectively. And you know what? If it makes you want to hate Seattle a little more or want to beat them a little more, as Merritt Paulson said on Twitter today, then there you go. Now you just your team needs to step up now, and and they have to go spend. But it's not like adding Clem Dempsey's guarantee that now you're going to win the MLS Cup and and win out and and qualify for the Champions League. I mean, there's no guarantee. Just because you have the best players doesn't mean that. You're going to win it. I mean, you still have to play the game. And, you know, look, for the small market teams where people are complaining, yes, I mean, I, I mean, I understand your complaints. I think Ivis can understand your complaints. I mean, Christ, I'm from Phoenix, man. It's, it's. I mean, we like to think we're a big city, but we're not. I mean, we're a small city. I understand it, where you guys are coming from. But, I mean, dude, that's life. That's sports. The bigger cities are going to have more money. They're going to be willing to spend it. That doesn't guarantee them finals. That doesn't guarantee them trophies. It doesn't guarantee anything. You have to play the game. I mean, look at San Jose last year. I don't think anyone expected that. And San Jose, I mean, this doesn't have the money Seattle has. So, you know, look, I think this is great for MLS Ivis, and it's going to be a really fun time watching Clint over his next couple of games. Like I said, especially that Portland game. I mean, if Seattle can find a way to fill that stadium and get to 70,000, that would be the all-time record for an MLS uh, attendance-wise. So that would be outstanding if MLS could set that record, What well, Seattle could set that record here in a couple of weeks. Right. And then, you know what, and I do want to clarify one thing. I mean, look, look that Seattle-Portland game, was going to be packed regardless. Yeah. I think, I, I think I, I, anyone that's trying to make that that attendance uh, a Clint Dempsey thing, it's not. It's a Seattle Portland thing. It's a Cascadia thing. He's helping. I mean, I think he definitely yeah. helped oh, push yeah, yeah. The tickets over the top a little bit. But you know what? I still think that was going to be a hell of a game, uh, an amazing crowd regardless. But I, I think what we will see down the road. Uh, as the as, as the Sounders play more home games, and then when they travel, when they mm-hmm. travel around the country, are we going to see that bump? Are we going to see U.S. national team fans come out to see Clint Dempsey play? And more importantly, are we going to see U.S. national team fans start to tune in to watch Clint Dempsey play on television? And those are the kind of things that MLS took into account when they made this deal, when they looked at it uh, completely as a whole. Uh, it wasn't just about, hey, let's make Seattle better. Let's help Seattle win a title. No, it wasn't about that. It was, hey, this is th- this is our dream player, that if we wanted to bring a player to MLS uh, to sign, to be kind of a marketing uh, centerpiece for our, our our league, I mean, he is the guy. I mean, he, uh, A, he's the U.S. Nas- US national team captain. Uh, he's the most highly regarded player on the national team at the, at the time. Uh, the most successful player American player in Europe at the time before he came back. So, I mean, he he checked all the boxes. So, I get it. I get it, folks. I get why some of you guys are upset. And, and it's totally understandable. Uh, but instead of kind of, you know, uh, I, I complaining about it, just look at the rules and, and ask yourself, when is my team going to do that? When is my team going to step up? When is my team going to say, okay, we've got our money ready. We've got our star player. We've got our Drogba. We've got our Ronaldinho. I mean, these are just exa- just names. I'm just throwing names. Out. I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not saying these are the guys. I'm not <laughs> oh, saying these are the guys. That everyone are coming. take these names seriously. Ivis is breaking news right now. I'm not now. saying these are the guys that are coming. I'm just saying as an example, mega stars, international stars. If teams in this league can get those players to come, and MLS doesn't step up and say, "Okay, we'll help. We'll help it happen. We'll help pay the fee." 
you know, then you have questions. Then absolutely, that's when, you know what, that's when you say, you know what, something's wrong here because you didn't help us, but you helped them. I could see a team signing Ivis Galarsep, and that could be a nice little boost in attendance. Hey, I'm, I'm available. I'm, I, I'm actually available on a free, so anybody that, that wants to make an offer, just let me know. Ivis will play ass back, so when he asks the coach to go in, the coach will say, get your ass back. Ivis, speaking of teams that have uh, money to spend, the LA Galaxy look poised to make Omar Gonzalez the third DP. Lots of rumors going around. It's mostly just rumors and talk right now. Nothing concrete, though. But, I mean, this is looking like a pretty set deal for the Galaxy with Omar Gonzalez, right? Well, I mean, at this point, the only thing we have is a throwaway line in the in the detailed story from Sports Illustrated about Clint Dempsey that they're preparing to make Omar Gonzalez a designated player. Uh, and as far as I'm, as far as what I've heard, I haven't heard that as an official thing yet, or as something that any of my sources have confirmed to me. But if it's true and if it's happening, it's definitely a uh, I don't want to say historic, but it's definitely a, a, a What's the word that I'm looking for? A trendsetter. It's definitely uh, something that hasn't happened before because the league has never had a true center back uh, as a designated player. And do you think this is the right move for the Galaxy to add someone like Gonzalez as the DP? Or are they better off trying to maybe go in and get someone else that's maybe a little better than him that has a bigger name? Well, see, that's the question, right? When it comes to defenders, I mean, who are you going to get? Uh, when you want to talk about internet, I mean, you're not going to get an, uh, you're not getting a better American player to play center back. N- number one, number two, Omar Gonzalez has some marketing value. I mean, he's he, he's he's, you know, Mexican American. He shows he can rap according to that MLS rap all star well, video. We're not going to talk about that video, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, he he's. I'm trying to remember his Spanish is is I think not bad. I think I think it's like it's, it's okay. You know, but he's marketable. He's a marketable guy in Southern California. He's kind of become a, a figurehead there. Bruce Arena loves him. Bruce Arena thinks he's the he's really the key to that team as far as their success and failure. So if you have a chance to keep him, you kind of have to do what you have what you know you have to do something. And at the end of the day, you know contracts and and what players can get is about. What what they can get in other places, you know. And I brought this up about Eddie Johnson, right? And, and people are talking about, oh, Eddie Johnson, designated player. Let's give him a des- designated player deal. You know, he 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 came in to he, Eddie Johnson came back to MLS on a on a small deal, one hundred thousand. He 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 walked away from a bigger deal from MLS, and then ended up paying the price. So he's going to have to work his way back up the ladder. Omar Gonzalez is near the top of that ladder already, and now he's positioned himself. He's put himself in prime position. Where he can go to Europe, he can go to Mexico, or he can stay in MLS. He has leverage, and that's such a key thing. And I, what I just find interesting is that you know the league has really gone out of its way not to pay uh, de- uh, defenders, not to pay uh, true center backs uh, big money, uh, whether international or American. Uh, and it's just kind of you know it, it's it's always just been the structure where you know defenders make less money. You know, since you haven't had that in the past, it, it's definitely a head turner that Omar Gonzalez is is get if he is getting it again. We don't know for sure. It's not a, it's not a done deal that has been announced yet. But if he's getting a designated player deal, that's all of a sudden setting the bar at a new level for defenders going forward. Because before, up until now, if you were a top defender in MLS, you had to go. You had to go overseas to to make your real money. Whether it's you know you whether you're Tim Ream, Jeff Cameron. Ryan Nelson, Carlos Bocanegra, Bakari Sumari, 
Uh, you know, all these guys, all, all pretty much. Mo- I mean, when I think about top defenders in MLS through the years, the only two that come to mind that stayed despite being the best in the league or among the best in the league, Eddie Pope. Who, who did have some opportunities to go to Europe, and, and, and for whatever reason it didn't work out, he ended up staying. Uh, and Chad Marshall. Chad Marshall played out his contract, uh, but then he ended up staying. He couldn't he couldn't quite get a deal in Europe that, that worked for him, and then he stayed. But now, Omar Gonzalez sets the bar high, if he's a DP. If we're talking sick, if he's made... And again, I don't... I, I, I just don't see him becoming like a million-dollar DP. I could see him being a $600,000 DP. DP, which is still good money. It's still double what the center backs have made through the years in MLS. But if he's making that kind of money, if I'm Matt Beasler, I'm on the phone. I'm, I'm on the phone and I'm saying, hey, why am I making 185? Why am I? Why is my number this this small? And again, you got a situation where last year Matt Beasler signed a new deal, and he signed a new deal in in an era where center backs just didn't make huge money. But all of a sudden, guess what? If Omar Gonzalez makes that much money. All the center backs after that are going to start asking for for that much more money. That set the bar to a new level, and I'm a little I gotta say I'm a little surprised MLS would, would actually even approve a deal like that. So I, I, it's going to be something to watch. I'm telling you, it's going to be something to watch because if he does set that bar higher, all the center all the good center backs in the league are going to start look, are just looking at their chops. You know, if you're if you're especially younger guys like a Moby Akugo or or Andrew John Baptiste who down the road kids start to try to play up to that kind of money i mean it's great it's great you want to see defenders make money you want to see them you know they, they're valuable as well they deserve to to get what they you know to, to get their fair share uh so that's something to watch and speaking of dp signings portland timbers have bought out the contract of diego larry i think that's also that's very big for portland because diego's been a key player for them this year has looked very well in their games and for portland fans yes you have to be very excited about this and happy that you're going to have them for the rest of the season well, oh, without a doubt. I mean, you got the way they've done it. It's almost kind of quietly that they've done it, but Portland has done a, an amazing job this year. I mean, aside from the fact that they've exceeded expectations, Caleb Porter's first year in the league has been great. But they are locking up all their young, talented players. The nucleus of that team, they're locking them up to longer-term deals, to kind of like what Sporting Kansas City has been able to do, keeping their nucleus together. Uh, and and it, it's it's exciting to see. I mean, and he is a key key. Uh, figure in that whole plan for them because he's definitely he gives them that that kind of unique attacking quality in midfield. He's he's been one of the best uh, newcomers in the league without a doubt. And you know for Portland to to I think it was important the timing of it obviously uh, for Portland to show hey we can spend money too we can we can bring in talented players and we're talking three four million dollars of a transfer fee. Which Portland paid, by the way. It wasn't uh, – MLS didn't pay that one. Oh, uh, and, I know that, and I know that's gotten – people – you can just – you can already – you know, the snark is flying about that. How, oh, well, Dempsey's transfer fee gets paid for, but Diego Valeri's doesn't get paid for. And, you know, so you, you know that stuff's going to happen. But, hey, great move for Portland. They've put, their, they've put them – they've put together a, a great roster – in one off season to to help kind of just turn the, the turnover that they've had there. Gavin, Gavin Wilkinson, all for all the flack he takes and took last year, uh, he's done a masterful job, I think, in building a roster this year. 
And I was speaking of the Portland Timbers. They're going to be taking on Real Salt Lake on Wednesday night up in Salt Lake in the U.S. Open Cup semi-final round. It's actually kind of interesting enough, kind of strange. It's the first meeting between the two clubs. They'll be playing two more times this month in, in regular season games. But nonetheless, though, a very good game. Kind of interesting, though. I mean, both teams... They're very high standings right now in the Western Conference, but both teams reeling and not playing the best as of late going into this game. You know, what do you assess for this, and, and who do you think will be able to take the victory? Well, I think this is going to be a great matchup, even even recent results aside. I mean, we're talking two good teams, uh, two teams that have been missing players quite a bit lately uh, with the Gold Cup. Uh, that's something that kind of gets forgotten is is the fact that you know on both sides of this you, you you've had several players missing. Well, Portland. Uh, you know they they didn't have Ronnie Wallace, Donovan Ricketts, uh, Freddie Picione uh, that missing some games. Now they have everybody back. Obviously, Real Salt Lake with you know Kyle Beckerman, Nick Romando, uh, Alvaro Saborio, Tony Beltran. You know they they were missing a bunch of guys as well. So now that everyone's back, now we're going to see a great game, uh, a real chess match. I think between arguably for my money the two best young coaches in the game, uh, and and it's it's really going to be a tactical battle. Uh, between those two, I mean, both teams are talented. They both uh, the mid the battle in midfield is going to be absolutely uh, worth the price of admission. But I, I just want to see how these coaches, how these two coaches, uh, match up and really try to go at each other. Who do you think's the who do you, who do you think gets the better of the other one? It's tough to say. You know, I mean, they've never faced off. You don't know how the matchup's going to go. Uh, I can't call it really. I mean, I think Salt Lake being at home, you want to give them the edge, right? They, I think. You know, playing playing in at Rio Tinto at altitude, they have that experience in cup competitions as a group. Even though it's a little different group, obviously since they've they've lost uh, you know lost some of those players, and obviously Will Johnson in Portland was one of those players that you know helped helped them have their their past runs in the in the Concacaf Champions League. Uh, I, that's I, I tell you what, I'll go I'll go Real Salt Lake just slight edge because they're at home. But it wouldn't shock me at all if Portland could uh, could pull the ups- pull the upset and Caleb Porter could uh, get one over on uh, on Jason Christ. But again, it's the first meeting yeah. in what I think is three meetings in however many weeks, and and those I, I tell you right now, each one of those games is going to be must see TV if you're an MLS fan. I think both teams will be so concerned with out possessing the other team that they'll never venture into the final third. So no one will take a shot and we'll go into PKs. That's possible. That's possible. And, and you know, it's, it's it's interesting. Like when you have two teams that are both so good at at, at possession, uh, that that dog fight, that that kind of tug of war. Oh, it's going to be uh, great. Some, sometimes, but that's the thing. Sometimes Kyle Beckerman against Will Johnson. Some, how great is that going to be? Right. But see, that's the thing, though. Sometimes when you have two teams that are so similar, so evenly matched, you end up in an ugly game. You end up just it's such a tug of war that neither team gives in. There aren't many chances. Uh, I think we could. I think this first meeting between these teams might be that kind of thing. Might be that kind of low-scoring, real tug of war. It's going to take one mistake, and that's going to ultimately decide the victor. So I, I just have to give Salt Lake the slight edge because they're at home. But uh, I think Portland is more than capable of, of getting the win out, uh, out in Rio Tinto. In the other U.S. Open Cup game, you have the Chicago Fire take hosting. Excuse me. DC United. This is a little bit of an interesting one because DC obviously doesn't have much to play for for the regular season. They're out of the playoffs. However, they have been playing better as of late. I mean, we saw in their past game against Montreal, 
that they had the opportunity to put Luis Silva behind Dwayne De Rosario. Luis Silva, three goals in three games. So DC has a little momentum going into this game. And nothing to take away from the Chicago Fire, Ivis. The Fire also have some momentum going into this game, too. You're getting some great play for uh, for the Fire out of a couple guys. I mean, Chris Rolfe's looking good. Mike McGee's looking good. Patrick Niaco's looking good. Oh, Jolyn Pear's looking good. So it's amazing. Like, a couple weeks ago, you probably would have said, oh, man, this game's not that good. But... You know, given the last week or two, you know, this this is going to be a pretty exciting game, especially with the momentum that D.C. and Chicago Fire have going into this game. I think it'll be a good matchup. Uh, this, these two teams have been rivals for years, and obviously the faces have changed, but uh, I still think it's going, to be a, it's going to be a great matchup. I think I still have to, I have to give the edge to, to Chicago, uh, you know, just because they, they, you know, they they've been on such a good run since Mike McGee and Bakari Samari uh, came over. Uh, I, I just think I just think you got to give them the edge. Uh, as much as DC with this youth movement and this this kind of decision to go aim towards 2014, hand the keys over to the likes of Luis Silva, uh, Jared Jeffrey, Connor Doyle. You know these new additions that they have that have really stepped up and and, and done well for them. Uh, they're going to make it interesting. Uh, without a doubt, they're they're going to make it tough. But I just I, I got to go with the fire. I, I think Mike McGee is just playing really well, and I and all the guys you mentioned. I mean, I, I feel like it's it's become infectious where all those guys uh, in their attack have really Dude, they, started they look to kind of so, click together. They look so good in the attack, all of them. They it's just it's the Chicago Firemen. Their mentality since Mike McGee got there, Ivis. It's 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 so much fun to watch them because every time you see the Chicago Fire in the attack, they look like they 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 look like they have the confidence that we have the ball, we can score right now. You're right. It, it just it's it's contagious. It's very contagious. Ivis, though, I need a prediction for this game. Who do you think will win? Uh, I'm gonna go fire. I'm gonna have to say fire three one. Uh, Mike McGee, uh, Chris Rolfe, and I'll go Baki Sumari. I don't think he scored a goal since he got there, but you know what? I think the big man gets up for a header and they win three to one. He's looked good this season too, or since oh, the move. And, and you were excited about that too. Well, no, I said you know what it is, man. I, I'm like I. You know, I've got the I've got a lot. Been around a while. I've covered this league a while. I remember him when he was in MLS the last time around, and what a quality player he was. And obviously, he had his knee injuries in Europe, and and that really set him back. And then he didn't get a chance to play much in Philly, and he had a lot of rust. So when he did get to play for Philly, he didn't show his best. But I always thought uh, if he got out of there and and went to a new setting, uh, he'd be great. And when he got a chance to go to back to Chicago, which is which I know is where he always wanted to go. I knew it was going to be a perfect fit. So uh, you know, again, that's another those two moves, McGee and, and Sumari. You got to give, you got to tip your hat to the fire for making those those things happen. Well, Ivis, also going on Wednesday night, we have Concacaf Champions League back up in action. It's the group stages. Uh, in one of the games, you have you have three MLS teams involved on Wednesday night. Uh, in one of the games, you have two MLS teams involved. San Jose will be hosting the Montreal Impact, who are you know coming off the three-one defeat to DC United. Then they had to travel across country to San Jose, and then San Jose all of a sudden, just like that, has put themselves back in the uh, playoff race. I mean, you have Clarence Goodson now playing for them. You also saw the uh, debut of a um, J- uh, Jamie Alice in that game too for them. So look, it's going to be really fun for San Jose and for Montreal, man, dude, I don't know if they can go on the road in a midweek game and defeat San Jose. You love some earthquakes, man. You've been, I feel like the last, if, if we put together a bunch of sound bites, you have been all over the earthquakes last few episodes. I know, dude, I, I just look with Clarence Goodson's ability to pass out of the back. And then you have Lenhart, Gordon and Wando up top. Dude, it's just, I don't know, man. I just, I get excited when I think about that. 
Well, I'll tell you what. It, what I do find interesting is when they, the draw for the when the draw for the group stages was, was held, and San Jose and Montreal were put together. I thought, oh well, Montreal is going to absolutely <laughs> dispose of San Jose. And it's funny what a difference a month can make. And now all of a sudden, Montreal's team is looking really shaky, and San Jose is looking like a real force. So you know that that's going to be a tough one to call. I think right now you do have to give the edge to to the Earthquakes. I think they're they've been playing the better soccer in Montreal. Has been their their defense just has been so inconsistent that uh, you just don't know what it is that what, what exactly the problem is. I mean, what what all of a sudden they can't defend, and and if if they don't get that sorted out, I, I think they're going to struggle in the Champions League, and I think they're going to fall out of. The, they could end up as crazy as it sounds. They could end up going from being first place in the East to falling out of the playoffs. Well, okay, if you had to provide a quick fix for Montreal, what, what could you do to help them out on defense besides play better? I mean, is there is there anything they can do to Get things right. Well, they, they just have they. they Alessandro Nesta has uh, has just not been up to his the level you expect him to be. He's had a couple games here and there where he has shown it, but far too often he's had some real stinkers. Him and even Matteo Ferrari as well. I mean those those two guys early in the year. They I mean you want to talk about the, uh, uh, being a strength of the team, uh, the center of the defense, and and the, so. So for some people, I mean, just listening to some people up in Montreal, there there were some complaints that well, it's not their fault; it's the midfield. The midfield's uh, being overrun. It's too many too many numbers are going at the defense and just putting them in bad positions. And again, that's probably part of the reason they went and signed the, the defensive midfielder that they did sign. Uh, so you want to see how he fits in and if he helps solidify things for them. So maybe that will help. So again, again. They they still have time. They still have time to straighten things out. I don't think you're going to see wholesale changes in the back. You know, I don't think Ness is going to retire. I don't think uh, you're going to go get a center back that's all of a sudden going to start over those guys. I think that's who you're stuck with. Uh, you want to try to bolster the midfield so they're not being overrun so much. But uh, they need something. They need to start playing better, flat flat out. In the other game, Sporting Kansas City is going to be traveling down to Nicaragua, and they will be taking on Real Esteli. FC, not the toughest game for Sporting Kansas City. And look, I'm not an expert on CONCACAF Champions League, so I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert here. Uh, the other team that's in their group that is a little tougher is Olympia, um, the Honduran side. So look, for Sporting Kansas City on the road in the opening game, if they can go in there and get a point or even three points, because in the group stage, only one team advances. And with Olympia being in there, it's going to be tough for Sporting Kansas City. So starting off on the right foot for them, Ivis, is going to be really important here. Right. I mean, in that group, uh, Real Esteli, that's the team you got to beat. You got to get all six points from them. Even as tough as it can be to go to Central America and get results, you know, you, Sporting KC is the stronger team. It's not even close. So they have to go get those three points because you got you have to figure Olympia, uh, you know, being a, a force a force in Central America, you have to think that, uh, they're going to get get it done. And at the end of the day, if you're Sporting, you want to you want your home and home at Olympia to decide it all. You, you, so you, if you want to have fate, your fate in your hands, you can't drop points uh, to to a Nicaraguan team. So I, you know, I like their chances. I think they're they're, they're too strong a team. Uh, as much as Olympia has traditionally been a pretty good team out of Honduras, uh, I still have to give Sporting KC a pretty big edge to get out of that group. When you look at the whole Champions League for all the MLS teams, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different since you have Montreal and San Jose in the same group. Do you see? At least four MLS teams advancing, or three. I mean, what do you put the percentage at? 
Well, I mean, the way the Champions League set up is 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 to get everybody through. I think now, when you look at the format, I mean, you have MLS teams uh, basically avoiding uh, the Mexican teams, right? That's kind of the first guideline for the groups, the way they've set it out now. You know, before it used to be fourteen groups, and in in a fourteen group, you could have a Mexican team and an MLS team. Now they've done away with that, so it's really made the the path easier for all these teams. And and obviously, and with MLS, it's a little you know, basically the the way it works is. Uh, a country is allowed a maximum of four teams, and Montreal is 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 not part of that allotment. They're they they have the Canadian slot from the Canadian Championship. So, uh, you know, all you should have you should have four teams go through. I mean, when you just look at the at the groups, you know, I, I don't know if when you kind of try to ask yourself who's going to be the trickiest. Uh, trickiest road. Who's got the toughest team in their group? I mean, I tell you what, uh, Isidro Isidro Metapan, the Salvadorian team, they're a little tricky. But again, the Gal- the LA Galaxy, as strong as they are, you know, you, you gotta like their chances. You gotta say, hey, they should win. They should get through that group, no problem. So that so once you talk about them, you talk about Sporting uh, again. The Houston Dynamo, that that group. I mean, you know what? I, I I argue that their group with with Arabe Unido, the the Panamanian team. And W Connection, the Trinidadian team, who you know, if I recall, years ago, uh, you know, scoring an upset in the Champions League against an MLS team, maybe that's the trickiest road. But I tell you what, I would put my money on four MLS teams in the in the quarterfinals. Uh, also, another team that we need to talk about, not an MLS team, is Tijuana. They actually uh, drew. Um, I'm gonna sorry. They actually drew the El Salvadorian side, Luis Angel. A Fierpo 0-0 scoreless in that game. Uh, you know, that game was in San Salvador. You know, a little difficult for Tijuana in that game. But, hey, look, you're on the road. You pick up a point. That's good for Tijuana. And, uh, I mean, hopefully they, they can win this group in advance because, you know, it's going to be great for all the young Americans on that team to see some serious playing time in a high-level competition. Right, without a doubt. And, uh, actually, I believe it was Paul Ariola's first official professional start. Uh, he, he's come off the bench uh, for Club Tijuana in, in league play, and obviously he's done well. He's gotten a pair of assists, but he did get the start tonight. Actually, he started alongside Joe Corona and Edgar Castillo, so you had three Americans starting for Tijuana. Uh, it wasn't the result they wanted, uh, but again, it's the same kind of situation where you know if you get your if you if you're taking if you're taking points on the road, if you're getting at least a draw on the road, and you win all your home games, you're going to be okay. You know what? You're going you're going to get out of the group, and and nothing nothing against the Honduran side Valencia. Tijuana is too strong a team to, to to not advance out of that group. So I think uh, I, I think if anything, you know, the, I think their manager is going to give these early games to some of these young guys to give a guy like a Paul Ariola a chance to start and uh, and get some real real big minutes. And you know what? If they if they find themselves in trouble uh, once I think you get uh, you know into the the last match of the group, which is uh, Club Tijuana at home, I think they'll uh, you know. I think they'll bring out the big guns, and I think they'll they'll bring out their first team, and they'll get. I think they're going to win that group without a, without a, without much trouble. All right, Ivis, we've reached the end of the show. You know what that means? SBI Q and A. If anyone wants to have questions answered for the Q and A, you can listen. Well, you can't listen to the show because we record and then put the show up. But you can always send us a question as long as you do hashtag Ask the SBI Show. You can do it whenever you want. Because trust me, Ivis and I go back. So there's some people that asked yesterday. We didn't even record a show yesterday. I'm sorry, not yesterday. That would be Monday. Some people send us questions on Monday that we're going to answer today. So anytime you want questions answered, hashtag ask the SBI show, and then Ivis and I will go back and look at those questions. So if you think of some brilliant one at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, send it our way. 
The first question, Ivis, comes from Andre Wade. Will the LA Galaxy sign a famous DP to fill the void left by David Beckham? Well, here's the thing. They, uh, as it stands right now, they have uh, Landon Donovan, Robbie Keane, right? Landon Donovan's out of contract at the end of the year. So if you figure best-case scenario for them, if they keep Landon Donovan, they keep Omar Gonzalez, you've got three DPs right there. Uh, however, I have heard rumors and rumblings of the Galaxy really pushing hard uh, for an international DP. So if that's the case, then you have to ask yourself, who's not coming back? Who's not going to be on this team? And if I were a betting man, I'd probably bet on Landon Donovan not being back next year. I think I think Landon Donovan, uh, in a bit of a role reversal, now that we've got Clint Dempsey back in MLS, I think we could have Landon Donovan in Europe by January. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Give us some team names, Ivis. You can't drop something like that. Oh, but... I, if I had names, I would have wrote them. I mean, <laughs> right now, we. I mean, obviously, everyone talks of Everton, but again, David Moyes has left. It's a whole new group of people in there. Oh my Roberto God, Manchester Martins. United? Oh. No, settle down. <laughs> He's not going to Manchester United. He... Landon Donovan is not going to a Champions League team, okay? He's a good player, nothing against him, but I just don't think, I, I just don't see a team. Uh, bringing him in, uh, you know, one of those high-level teams in England. You know, I think maybe a lower-level team in England could could certainly use him. I mean, he can handle himself. He can still play at that level, I think. But I just think, you know, when you talk about the Chelsea's and Man City's and Man United's of the world, those teams are so stacked with talent that you just there just would be no room for them. Uh, next question comes from Gary Offus. Why isn't Eric Lehigh in the picture for U.S. men's national team? Will he ever get another call-up? Well, you know, that's one of the more just kind of head-scratching ones of all, of all in the entire player pool. And, and here's the thing. Like, it, Lehigh has had his issues with getting consistent playing time. He's had stretches. When he was at Aston Villa, obviously he had stretches where he did get to, get to play, but it didn't translate into call-ups. Uh, the time that stood out for me was was the, the summer of 2012. He finished out the season as as a starter for Villa. He started a nice stretch of games, and I thought he played pretty well. And you would have thought that that would have part, he would have parlayed that into a call up, but nope, it didn't happen. And it hasn't happened. And and you know now he's made a move. Now you'd like to think he's in the league championship. He's going to start regularly, and if he starts regularly, he'll get his chance. And and, and Jurgen's been asked about this. Jurgen Klinsmann's been specifically asked about this. And why he doesn't get a look. And according to him, Lehigh's on a radar. Lehigh's someone they're keeping eye, uh, keeping an eye on. And if he does start to play regularly, they're going to consider him. I think he's someone that is should is got for my money can be one of the best fullbacks in the entire pool. But he just hasn't had a chance. He hasn't had a call up. I don't think he's been called up once since Klinsman's been the head coach. And uh, you know, if he if Lehigh starts playing regularly, if he if he does well. Uh, given the situation at right back, I mean, how do you not call him up, right? I mean, if uh, you know, if if Trundle is hurt, if Timmy Chandler is still kind of an undecided or or not all the way bought into the national team thing, and, and if Michael Parker Parker isn't playing regularly in Germany, then how do you not call him in, right? So I think that's something to keep an eye on. Next question comes from Weston John. Does Gonzo getting a DP contract set the stage for Beasler and or Zuzi becoming DPs? Well, I think, if anything, it might set the stage for both those guys to go to Europe. Uh, when you talk about Graham Zussi, I mean, he he has signed uh, a few new deals now. I mean, uh, uh, he, he is, he's re-upped with, with MLS already. Uh, so I don't, see, I don't see them coming back now and offering him a DP deal. He's making pretty much as close as you can make to, to, to DP without actually being a DP. 
using the MLS retention funds that we've all come to, to find out about in the past few weeks. So he's making decent money. Uh, but again, I think Europe is an option. I think you're, you know, a transfer is a possibility. Matt Beesler's one that kind of makes it makes me scratch. Your head. It, it makes you wonder just because, I mean, I think if you if you polled most people or if you polled, if you took a poll, I think be, I think more people would prefer Beesler over Gonzalez. Uh, just as an overall center back, yet based on if, if we're projecting salaries for next year, Omar, if he's getting a DP deal, Omar Gonzalez is going to easily make tw- twice as much as Beesler. So that's a that's a that's a you know that might be a tough pill to swallow. But again, Beesler, to his credit, man, Beesler is one of the most down earth guys you will ever meet. I don't think he's someone who spends a lot of time worrying about what other people make. Uh, I think you know. He's happy to play in his hometown. He, you know, I actually think he took a little less money to help his team out, to help his team go sign other players. Uh, so, if anything, I think he—I'd see him go. I see him going to Europe before I see him, you know, demanding or getting a designated player deal. I have a final question comes from Taylor Mukaria. Excuse me, I probably butchered that. Taylor, uh, why does MLS insist on being so secretive about the salary cap and acquisition rules? And then he let you know, Ivis, he congratulated you on getting credited on the ESPN ticker for the source for the Agudelo. So congratulations on that too. Thanks, man. Yeah, that was a, that was a nice little touch. Uh, uh, getting on the ESPN crawl for the uh, the Agudelo to Stoke City story. Uh, as far as MLS. Uh, being secretive, we we talked about it a little bit in the last show, and 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 the excuse I've I've heard through the years is that, you know, with MLS as an entity, as a single entity, as one collection of teams that's working together, uh, competing against leagues from around the world, teams from around the world. Part of the reason for the secrecy has been so that other teams, other clubs around the world, other you know, and leagues around the world. Uh, can't have a complete uh, grasp of how MLS does things, how much MLS players are paid. Uh, so it, it's it's their own way of kind of keeping some things under wraps so their competitors don't know everything that they do. And on some level, you understand that. But at the <laughs> same time, how do you expect fans of your league to be able to follow along if they have no idea what the rules are? None, right? Because they change... And I so I like I, like I said in the in the rant last show, I, I don't I just think we're at a point now where it's time to stop with the hiding, time to stop with the secret rules. Put them all on paper, put them in a book, put them up, put it online, make a PDF, whatever you got to do. Let fans know, let media know, let us know what the rules are, and then we'll all be better for it. Because you know what, I think most people would agree. That it, you know, the league's still in its young stages, right? We're still in the still the second decade. We haven't even gotten to twenty years yet. But so it's still a young league. Uh, so that being the case, I think more. I, I maybe you know maybe I'm wrong, but I think more. I think most people would rather know would rather have all the rules in a book where they can read them, and if MLS needs to bend one or change one. Uh, to make something big happen for the league, well, it everyone will accept that. Everyone will accept that because you know if you can explain it and say, look, this is why we have to change this rule. At least everyone has something to go on, something to start from as a starting point. That beats what we've had through the years, which is just complete 
you know, just lack of information, lack of knowledge, lack of, uh, of openness and, and transparency. Uh, and you know what? Maybe there's going to be certain things that, that the league just decides they want to keep under wraps. Maybe it's a little ambitious to expect MLS to completely open, uh, you know, raise the curtains and let us see all of it. Maybe that's a little ambitious, but you know what? It needs to get better. It just does because uh, we we don't need fans and and even team officials thinking that you know there's shady stuff going on. And, and call me an idealist. Call me a uh, you know a re- I don't know. Say I know some people say, hey, uh, you know, I'm pro MLS. I'm on the I'm on payroll, whatever it is. I'm more inclined to believe the league is is playing by the book. It's just no one has the book. <laughs> no one has seen the book. No one knows where the book is. That's the issue. That's that's, and I agree with everyone who says it's time to start writing these things down for everyone to see them. Those are just the Euro snobs just hating on MLS, Ivis. Don't don't listen to them. There are Euro snobs that I, I will I will give you that. Yeah, and my, you know what? My brother, what, my let, brother let, who listens what, to hey, this show. Listen, is we got a short show, but I I, I want to. Something I do find fascinating is a strain of fan, quote unquote fan. There's this strain of fan. Uh, from the lower divisions, who it seems like all they want to ever do is bash MLS, and I'm not saying you got to be a fan of MLS. You don't have to. If you want to, if you would rather be an NASL fan, go right ahead. If you if you're a fan of of their structure and no salary cap, and then yeah, hey, knock yourself out. Buy a Cosmo scarf. Buy a Cosmo jersey. Buy a you know, San Antonio Scorpions hat. Do whatever you want. Go crazy. If you're a soccer fan, support a team. And no matter where it is or how, you know what? Do it. However, you can't make it your your life's work to just bash other leagues or to bash the league you don't like. And I, I it just it's just hilarious to me because I get into it on Twitter sometimes and I get into these debates and these discussions. And you find these people that it's like they're 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 like spam bots. They're spam bots that all they do is spew anti MLS stuff. And I'm just like, what is this? Are you a person, or are you like reading off of a script? Like I I just don't get it. I just I find it hilarious to me. Like you know what? If you want to support a league, support your league. Don't sit here bashing other leagues, especially in America. I mean it's it's American soccer. There's three leagues. You have MLS, NASL. You have USL Pro. Pick a league. Pick a team. Root for it. Otherwise, shut the hell up. We don't need to hear about how much you hate League X or Team Y. Just, just support who you want to support. That, that's my little rant. I just think there's just some, there's just like this small, small collection of people who that's just what they are. They're bots. They're spam bots. They're, they're just trolls. And, and it's like find something better to do. Root for a team. Find some joy in your life. I, I just don't see the point. <laughs> that was almost as good as the. Uh... Wearing jerseys that don't represent the teams to the stadium, Rand. I yeah, I, I, I think you know what I just—it just boggles my mind, man. Seriously, because it's like, you know what? I get why some people don't aren't a fan of the MLS structure and aren't a fan of single entity and aren't a fan of the the secrecy in the rules and aren't a fan of the salary cap. I get why people don't like some of these things, but you know what? Like, you 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 find these people on Twitter just in like the corners of Twitter. Who th- that's all they do. That's all they, they're like, you know, they just come out of the woodwork. Uh, as soon as the lights are out, they come scurrying out and they start dropping all this hate. And it's just like, what? What is your deal? And like, who do you work for? Like, what? What? It, it just it just blows my mind. It's like, are you a fan of something? Are you a fan of somebody? 
do you do anything besides crap on people, crap on a league? Like, what? what is, I don't get it. I just really don't. I mean, you know what? I don't know. I don't. Maybe I don't. I don't know what it They'll is. They'll be the first people in you know ten, fifteen, twenty years to come back and go. Well, I was also watching the MLS. <laughs> They'll do that move. Nah, I don't, I don't know, man. I think those. I, I honestly, I feel like those people are are just have just been doing that for years, you know. And then I don't know, man. I, I just you know what? Be I don't know. I don't. I don't get the why waste the energy like. Be a fan of what you're gonna be. You know, if you like ML, if you like the NESL, be a fan. Like for me, like I, I respect NESL and what they're trying to do, and, the, and and I think it's a bold approach. And if it works, it's great for American soccer. If they want to have no salary cap, if they want to let teams spend what they want to spend and try to build that way, then you know what? Go right ahead. If support that, root for that, spend your money. Go to go to Hofstra and and spend money at Cosmos Games. Help them realize the dream. I, I think they got a great thing there. I went I went to the Cosmos opener and was really blown away by the passion already by the fans who this this team just came back after 30 years away and you got fans there that they're all about the Cosmos and 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 again there are people who will bash that and say oh these people are fake they 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 support a logo they don't they, they like uh, how is it different just because it's day 1 you you you, you know you support you want to support and I don't know I just think there's way too much of this negativity way too much of this a whole, you know, your way is is crappy and my way's better. You know what? Fine. If you want to tell me how great your way is, do that. But don't, I don't want to hear you spend all your time telling me how bad MLS is, how bad NASL is, how bad any of these are. Stop doing it. There's too many trolls out there. Very well said, Ivis. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm gonna get, I, I don't even know where that came from. Well, Ivis, that wraps up the show, man. I, I got to say, we're ending the show... I'm very sad because we're ending the show, and I'm also very sad in general because my alma mater, Arizona State, is no longer in the top party schools in America. It's a very sad day, Ivis. You're, you're too old. You can't go there anymore anyways. You should be happy. What are you talking you about? Were there, you were there in the prime. I still go and tailgate on Saturdays for football, uh, man. Let it go. Let it go. <sighs> it's sad. It's sad. You're like the Will Ferrell character in Wedding Crashers. You're going to be in a robe. Uh, still living the dream. That's not true. I don't hang out with like the youth kids. I hang out with you know people my age. Okay. Just the youth happen to be in the area. Right. Okay. <laughs> I, see, I see you. I see you rocking your ASU alum, ASU like gear, so people don't know that you're an alumni. Yeah, of course. I Dude, I look like I'm 12 years old still, so most people think I'm well, in high school. Well, this is true. That is true. That's why I've been growing out this beard for about a month. <laughs> I just, yeah, it looks pretty good right now, actually. Yeah. Stop it. It looks pretty good. It might be ready by the uh, the MLS Cup Finals in December. Might be ready by then. Of 2015. <laughs> 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 That's pretty good. Well, Ivis, uh, that wraps up the show, man. You have a, you have a good rest of the day, and uh, enjoy the games tomorrow. Yes, sir. We'll be back uh, on Thursday. We'll be talking more, and uh, we'll have one more surprise dropping this week on SBI. You know, we had the new logo. And now we're going to have another change that uh, just changing the evolution of the site. Uh, everyone's, I want everyone to keep an eye out for that. I'm excited. I don't even know what it is. I'll, I'll get it out of you tomorrow then. It's a secret. Only a handful of people know. I'll get it out of you. I'll, I'll just keep bothering you. Best way, if anyone wants to know anything, just just G-chat the crap out of Ivis. He'll respond. Uh, yeah, He'll respond yeah, eventually. They, yeah, tell, yeah, that's what I need. I need, I need even more people to hit me up. He responds. Like After you send him 10 messages, he'll be like, what do you want? And then you can just be like, nothing. And then, then you're good. <laughs> Just just send me tweets. Just send me tweets. You know what? Tweet at me and tell me how much you hate MLS, and that'll make me very happy. <laughs> uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, you know what? You can hate MLS. I don't even care. You know what? If you want to hate MLS, head. 
I'll take tweet at me, tell me that you hate MLS. That is more than fine. But you know what? I don't need the seven follow up tweets about promotion and relegation, about NASL, about how the uh, you know there's just these people out there. It just it just makes me laugh. It really does. I don't. There's some people out there who need to find new hobbies. That's what it comes down to. I agree. Like you said, Rav, it's very well said. Well, that wraps up the show. Enjoy the games. I'll talk to you later this week, man. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the iTunes reviews. We want some more if you're not doing anything. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show. <laughs>